This is Incredible Stories Podcast, Episode 38, Texas Feuds and Killings. Well, hello again, everyone. It's time for another Incredible Stories podcast. I'm Josh Virala, your Inculpate host, and thanks for being here. Do share the show if you like it, and if you don't like it, share it anyways. Maybe someone else will like it. And uh, I'll reference where you can like it and all that good stuff at the end of the episode, of course. And first, let me apologize if there's like a bunch of noise in the background. Apparently, near where I'm recording, there's a bunch of stuff going on outside. But hopefully I'll mitigate that as best as possible. But you know what I want to talk about today? Family feuds. And no, I'm not talking about the questionably family-friendly game show pitting families one-on-one to answer survey questions. No, I'm talking about a real feud and perhaps one of the most infamous feuds that went down in Texas in 1911. The Boyce-Sneed feud involves a love triangle, cattle ranchers, Kidnapping, Revenge, and Murder. This is a story truly fitting of a soap opera, and one, I think, is just the darn tootinous, rip-roarinous example of why you don't mess with Texas. Here's what I know. Ah, Texas. The Lone Star State. Known for its no-nonsense trucks, honor, pride, and a fierce streak of independence. But of course, in 1911, it was known as still largely frontiersy, dominated with farming and ranching. In 1901, the oil boom had only recently began, but big cattle was still big business, and two families had made their fortune in this industry. But before we get into the feud, let's rewind a few years to the 1890s. So we got John Beale Sneed and Albert Boyce Jr., classmates at Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Okay, good on them, getting their learn on, no harm in that. Well, let's enter a fine Texas flower into the mix, Miss Lena Snyder. Wouldn't you know it, both men come according with their offerings of sarsaparillas, lassos, and pieces of the Alamo. These things, of course, are what every male Texan has in his dating repertoire. But Lena decided she fancied John Sneed, and the two got hitched in 1900. Oh, wedding bliss, I tell ya. Those two were cuter than an armadillo hee-hawing on a catfish down the Rio Grande. Shoot. Well, like most married couples, they end up moving, and they head for Amarillo, Texas in 1904. Interestingly, in 1905, Albert Boyce Jr.'s father, Al Boyce Sr., moves his family to Amarillo, Texas. Al Jr. stays out in the west of Texas for a bit with his cattle herd, but in 1910, he liquidates his herd and moves closer to his family's new home in Amarillo. Well, in 1910, Amarillo had a population of just under 10,000 people, small town, and a small town with two fairly prominent families, the Sneeds and the Boyces. So you can imagine everyone kind of knew everyone. And it didn't take long before Al Jr. comes sniffing around Lena, and in the spring of 1911, they began having an affair. A hot, sexy, Texas-style affair, complete with spurs and brisket sandwiches. 
So this goes on for a few months, and by October, Lena tells her husband John Sneed that she wants a divorce so she can continue getting it on with her old college beau, Al Jr. Well, John was like, is that right? Well, clearly, madam, you're mentally ill. And get this, he takes her away to Fort Worth, Texas, roughly 330 miles away, and signs her into the mental institution known as the Arlington Heights Sanitarium. That sounds lovely. Oh, side note, apparently, back in the day, you could easily commit someone under the issue of moral insanity, which is what John had Lena committed for. And moral insanity refers to insanity brought on by abnormal emotions and behaviors. Doc, my wife done come down with a case of the crazy cheaties. Lock her up. So Lena is not liking this situation, obviously, and writes to Al to come, quote, take me away, unquote. And after being in there for about three weeks from October 17th to November 8th, Al shows up and rescues her, and the two run away to Canada. So, you're thinking about moving to Canada, eh? Well, if you like having Thanksgiving the second Monday in October, come on down to Canada. Is the bald eagle too fierce of a national mascot for you? Try our beaver on for size. Still too fierce. How about a maple leaf? Yup, we got them too. And ladies, did you know the Ryans, Reynolds, and Gosling are Canadian? Come on and get yourself a slice. And fellas, did you know prostitution is legal in Canada? And we also have an island called Dildo if you're into that sort of thing. No judgment here, folks. So get yourself out of your bed, grab your bunny hug, and stash your Monopoly money and head on up to the Great White North where we're all about the good times, hockey, and good craft dinners. Paid for by the Bureau of Canadian Tourism in conjunction with the Canadian Tourism Office Chief Polar Bear Mr. Fuzzies. Offer good in all U.S. states. Avoid where prohibited. So I guess that's what Canadians sound like. So Al might have had some assistance from his dad, Al Sr., in springing Lena out. But the very next day, John Sneed hires a detective agency and files a kidnapping charge against Al Jr. with the police. Well, technically an abduction charge, I guess. Okay, starting to get a little bit crazy. So now the police are involved. Wait, not just the police. Tracking them to Canada, the Mounties had to get involved. You see, Canada had a strict immigration policy, and because Al and Lena had entered Canada illegally with false names, they had to arrest them on December 26th. Merry belated Christmas, mother So, Sneed obviously wants them deported, but the Canadian authorities let Lena and Boy stay in Canada for the time. I'd probably want to stay there too if I had an angry Texan tracking me down for running away with his wife. By now, John Sneed was working on getting Al Boyce extradited back to the U.S. You see, Sneed was influential in Texas, and by December 30th, he managed to get a Fort Worth grand jury to indict Boyce on the grounds of abduction, kidnapping, and rape. Heavy charges, and around the holidays, too. Okay, so now on January 1st, 1912, Sneed arrives in Winnipeg. Happy New Year's, mother... So Sneed gets the Canadians to deport Lena, but they keep Al, probably for his safety. So Sneed gets tired of waiting in Canada for Al to get released. I don't blame him. 
So he takes Lena back to the Lone Star Estate on January 13th and puts her right back in the sanitarium. Now, also at this time, Al's father, Colonel Alboy Sr., gets the Texas authorities to dismiss the indictments on Al. Remember, the Boyces were also influential, and Al Sr. had the added prestige of having been a Civil War veteran. So he won up John Sneed there. So Sneed was like, okay, okay, I see you, Colonel. You want to step to me and interfere with my satisfaction? I'll show you. Now here's where it gets cray-cray. What? It gets crazier, Josh? Indeed it does. Now remember, Sneed had suspicions that Al Sr. helped his son abduct his wife and encourage the affair. So later the same day, January 13th, Sneed sees Colonel Boyce, Al Jr.'s father, in the lobby of the Metropolitan Hotel in Fort Worth and shoots him four times. Obviously, the colonel dies, but there were witnesses, one of them being Al Sr.'s friend Ed Throckmorton. Now, you'd think Sneed would run or something. Nope. Three days later, he gets a U.S. attorney named W.H. Atwell to help. Now, Atwell happened to also be related to Sneed, although I couldn't find the exact relation. But Atwell got a federal grand jury together to consider indicting Al on white slavery charges. And Lena, of course, testifies. I'm sure she was pressured to give the testimony by her husband holding the sanitarium discharge papers over her head, you know? It's like, you can't get out of the sanitarium unless you testify against this guy. But on the 17th, Sneed is arrested and charged with murdering Colonel Alboy Sr. And Lena was like, hey courts, can I get declared sane so I can leave the crazy house? And a judge rules that she is sane and orders her to be released. It is thought that the Boyces might have been pulling some strings to get this done as well. Everybody is open to be bought, and remember, these families were very wealthy. So, John Sneed is in the prison, but manages to post his $35,000 bail. Apparently, John Sneed's father, Joseph, and some other family members had more than 100 other prominent businessmen from across the state sign for John Sneed. Lots of influence peddling going on here, folks. Now, John's trial begins on January 29th, and his expensive lawyers formulate the legal argument called the honor defense. And this argument is basically, a man has the right to kill anyone who threatens the honor of his home. This trial was getting much the media buzzing, and emotions were running high through the community. In fact, while Sneed's lawyers were questioning Boyce Jr.'s mother, one of her other sons got mad and jumped over the table and assaulted the lawyer. He obviously got fined for this. And a couple days after that in the courtroom, some lady got mad, probably coming down with the case of the Lady Fitz, and drew her gun on the judge, stating that, quote, A woman has the right to defend her home, too! Unquote. Apparently, this woman had some beef with the judge from two years earlier where he had granted her husband a divorce. Now, the crux of the trial was that Sneed openly admitted to killing the colonel because he felt he was directly involved in his wife's affair. The circus show went on for three weeks and the result was a hung jury. Five for conviction and seven against. Hooray, a mistrial! Cue mob violence outside the courthouse. So, the angry mob ended up getting four men killed outside the courthouse, and women were fighting with their hat pins through the halls of the courthouse. Bedlam. Absolute bedlam. 
So this means a retrial would need to be set. But the next day, apparently, one more person had died in a gunfight stemming from arguments about the trial. And these were just people who were following the case in the, the newspapers. If you're keeping tally, this brings the body count, direct or indirect, to six. So the retrial was set for a few months later. Cool, okay. But in the meantime, this happened. March 6th, Sneed's papa, Joseph, while walking down the street, was shot dead by one of his tenant farmers, R.O. Hillard. And Hillard immediately committed suicide. Hmm, seems kind of fishy to me. Well, here's some more fish. Hillard had in his pocket a suicide note stating, quote, My mind has failed me. J.T. Sneed is the cause of it. I am going to take revenge this way, then go to the asylum. Unquote. Right. Now, some people, including John Sneed, thought that this Hillard guy had some connection to the Boyce family and that the Boyces were behind this. Also, some rumored that Al Jr. committed the murders himself. So at this time, Al Boyce Jr. was living around Amarillo, and on September 14th, while Al was walking in front of the Polk Street Methodist Church, he was shot and killed by Sneed. Surprise, mother Actually, one witness said after Sneed killed Al, he heard Sneed say, quote, I guess you are dead, you son of a bitch. Unquote. Damn, that's a cold-ass honky. Apparently, Sneed had been staying in a small cottage across the street from the church, just waiting for Boyce for two weeks. He was also said to be in disguise, too. That's some patience. Now, after doing this, Sneed walks into the courthouse and turns himself in to the sheriff. So, two days later, they gathered another grand jury and deliberated with some of the witnesses. And interestingly, one of the witnesses was none other than Georgia O'Keefe. You know, the vagina flower painting lady? She was in town teaching art in the public schools. Ah, uh, sex ed and art rolled all into one. Very economical. Okay, anyway, by September 17th now, Sneed was indicted for the murder and the trial soon began. Now, Sneed's lawyers used the same defense as before, you know, the honor stuff, and apparently there was a letter written by Al to Lena which had indicated they had recently seen each other. And the speculation was that Lena was pregnant by Al Boyce, and the content of the letter was saying that Boyce basically was saying that he hoped the baby looked like Lena, etc, etc. Scandalous! So, these letters were shared by Lena with her and John's landlord at the time, Miss Rogers. And Miss Rogers was giving testimony recounting the content of the letters and basically said that Al was plotting on killing John Sneed in each of the letters. The plan was to assassinate him while John was on a train going to and from business trips. The original letters were destroyed by Lena, so these were from memory. But why would someone tell their landlord this juicy stuff? Oh well, no matter. The jury eventually acquitted John Sneed after 20 minutes of deliberation. Okay, so Sneed's next trial, the retrial for Boyce Sr.'s murder, you know, the colonel, was slated for November 11th. The same defense was employed as the other cases. Sneed's lawyers were looking for the jury to see this as a justifiable homicide. And by December 3rd, they had come to a conclusion. 
And the verdict? Not guilty. Upon hearing this, Sneed celebrated and danced with his daughter in the courtroom, and his lawyers fined $50 for hooping and hollering. This was a real stunner to the judge, defense, and some of the media, who of course were hoping for a first or second degree murder conviction. Asked by a journalist why he was acquitted of the murder, one juror said, quote, The best answer is because this is Texas. We believe in Texas. A man has the right and obligation to safeguard the honor of his home, even if he must kill the person responsible. Unquote. So Sneed and Lena get back together and move to Paducah happily ever after. Wait, 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 wait. Not so fast. So in October 1922, Sneed was found guilty for bribing a juror in a different lawsuit that involved the Sneeds and a land deal. Kind of minor, but he was sentenced to two years in federal prison. But he was out on appeal, and in November, he got himself into another feud. This is how. On November 10th, John Sneed's son-in-law, Wood Barton, was shot and later died after an argument with grocer C.B. Barry over a $28 debt that Barton said Barry owed him. John Sneed, ever the revenge monger for family grievances, waited a whole four months to spring his response. On March 7th, 1923, Sneed shot Barry as he was walking down the street. Yay, another trial! This time, it was argued that Sneed wasn't trying to kill the man and just trying to disarm him. I guess in defense of his own life. Okay, sounds reasonable. So, while this is going on, Barry has his own trial for the murder of Barton, Sneed's son-in-law. So the first trial with Sneed is suspended waiting for Barry's murder trial to conclude. Now, on July 2nd, 1923, Barry was out walking about and Barry decided to retaliate against Sneed, you know, for shooting him earlier. So Barry hides behind a building, and when Sneed is getting out of his car, Barry starts shooting at him. Sneed is hit, but survives and recovers about a week or so later. Now, by July 12th, the jury had reached a verdict on Barry's case, where he murdered Barton. And they took 25 minutes to reach the verdict of... Not guilty! The argument Barry used was self-defense, because Barton was trying to collect the debt, you see. So he was just defending himself against somebody who was trying to, you know, bust some caps on him. Now, John's trial resumes, and by February 27th, 1924, the verdict of not guilty was handed down again. Another courtroom protest erupted, but was soon squelched. Okay, so Sneed is free again. Let's resume Barry's trial for attempted murder on Sneed on February 29th. Barry claimed self-defense as Sneed was trying to kill him. You know, because he shot him first earlier and the jury deliberated and came to the conclusion of... Not guilty. Yes, very good guys. Geez, apparently you can shoot anyone in Texas with no problem. Alright, so now Sneed, remember, is out on appeals from the bribery conviction and by August 1924, he has to go back to prison after exhausting the appeals process. And in May 1925, Sneed was granted parole after nine months served. All these court proceedings and bribing, you can imagine, drained his fortune. 
And when he got out of prison, he formed an oil company and regained his wealth, and he and Lena lived happily together from then on out. Hooray! A happy ending for the murdering rich person. He gets his wealth back and his girl back. A real Disney story, you know. John died in 1960 from cancer at the age of 82, and Lena died at the age of 86 in 1966 from a heart attack. They're buried together at Hillcrest Memorial Park in Dallas, Texas. And that's the story of the Sneed Boyce feud and why you definitely should not mess with Texas. And now you know what I know. Wow! That was some crazy I mean, I've been known to hold a grudge, but apparently Texas is the place to be if you got beef with someone. You know, I actually find this Wild West Frontier Justice thing to be interesting, and while obviously it makes a good story, I don't recommend settling your problem in this way. Although, you know, I wouldn't actually mind a slightly more formal means of satisfaction employed. Bring back the duels! Oh, there is one other interesting side note to this story. John Sneed was Carly Fiorina's great-uncle. And that's, of course, the Carly Fiorina who was the former head of Hewlett-Packard and Republican presidential nominee candidate. Carly's father was Joseph Sneed III, and his uncle was John Sneed. So, his father's brother. Make sense? Good. And now for something you don't want to take revenge against, and that is the haiku. Bring out your big guns. This is Texas, after all. You kill, we acquit. Bonus Haiku Oh, that means we have another submission from a listener. This one from Anonymous. I'll go ahead and read it since I don't want their name to be said. Incredible what? Stories strangely fabulous. Can't wait for next week. And I can't wait for next week either. Thanks for that submission, Anonymous. You know who you are. Very well written and complimentary. The best kind. For those interested, remember, if you want to send in a haiku, you can. Go ahead and send them in. The format is 575. And that's all the time this week, guys. Check out our main site for other stories on IncredibleStoriesPodcast.com. Send me an email or haiku at contact at IncredibleStoriesPodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at IncredPod. Rate us on iTunes and peep us out on YouTube and Stitcher. For Incredible Stories Podcast, I'm Josh. And remember, the journey of a thousand tales begins with the first word.